welcome to the show. This week, still no deal on NAFTA, and today is the self-imposed deadline for NAFTA negotiators to have a final text to Congress. But Canada has not signed on. The U.S. and Mexico have their own agreement. What does this mean for the future of NAFTA? Then we'll talk to Conservative leader Andrew Scheer on what he would do differently negotiating NAFTA. Plus, who is the Premier of New Brunswick? A close election has political leaders battling it out to form the next government. I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is the West Walk. Today is the deadline for NAFTA negotiators to have the full text of an agreement to the U.S. Congress for ratification before December 1st. Mexico and the U.S. have a deal, but Canada has not signed on because America wants Canada to dump dairy protections and Canada is demanding a dispute settlement mechanism. If Congress passes a bilateral deal with Mexico, what does this mean for NAFTA? Here is what the Prime Minister and President Donald Trump had to say about that last week. We will keep working on a broad range of alternatives, a broad range of paths are ahead of us. We are very much looking in a positive, constructive way uh, to getting to a renewed NAFTA that will be a trilateral agreement between Canada, Mexico and the United States. Uh, we're very unhappy with the negotiations and the negotiating style of Canada. Uh, we don't like their representative very much. If Canada doesn't make a deal with us, we're going to make a much better deal. We're going to tax the cars that come in we will put billions and billions of dollars into our Treasury. Joining me now is Transportation Minister Mark Garneau, Chair of the Cabinet Committee on Canada-U.S. Relations. Uh, Minister, today is the deadline for NAFTA, and you still have no deal. Why not? Uh, we're not working towards uh, a deadline. We're working towards a deal that is good for Canada. We've said that from the beginning. Uh, we've been very constructive uh, in these negotiations, and we're going to continue to do so. And we believe that there is the potential to have a win-win-win for all three countries of the NAFTA. But at some point, don't you or your government run into a deadline? We have always said right from the beginning that we wanted to have a deal, but not any deal. It has to be a deal that is good for Canada. And we are negotiating that deal. That is the number one priority, that we end up with a deal that is good for Canada and hopefully for the other two countries. Now, I know that the government likes to say we're only going to accept a good deal. Uh, we'd rather have no deal than a good deal. But how would be a situation where there are millions in tariffs, where you're looking at potentially losing thousands of jobs and market access to the U.S., how is that preferable uh, to a deal where it's not an ideal situation for you? Look, uh, we, we know each other's positions. We know the uh, things that matter to Canada. We will make that uh, very clear to the United States. They know our position, and we will stick to those positions because they are important for our country. This is in the nature of negotiations. The easy parts get done at first, and in the end, you have to work out the more difficult parts. We know exactly what is important for Canada, and we're going to continue to negotiate so that we hold on to a good deal for Canada. But are you willing to keep dairy protection and the dispute settlement mechanism, to keep pushing for that at the risk of tariffs, which economists say would put the Canadian economy into a significant recession all across this country? We're conscious of all the factors that uh, play into this, but at the end of the day, Canadians want us to come up with a deal that is good for Canada. And there are a lot of things that have to be negotiated and have to be discussed and agreements arrived at. And we're very conscious of all that. And we have, from the beginning, beginning uh, made constructive proposals to find a deal that works out 
for all three countries, and we will continue to do so because for us it has to be a good deal for Canadians. But and Minister, that is well, with all due respect, you're not answering the question of whether you're willing to take the risk of tariffs here, because no deal risks tariffs, and that risks a national recession. And what I'm telling you is that what we end up with has to be a good deal that covers everything, and that's the position that we've taken from the beginning, and that's what we're going to do right up until we... So does that mean that you're willing to take the risk of auto and tariffs? That covers everything. You have to look at the whole picture, and that is what we've done from the beginning, and that's what we're going to continue to do, because there are a lot of interests at play here, and we are looking at all of those so that we end up with something that is but, good but for are Canada. But are you willing to risk auto tariffs, which I think all economists will tell you would not be good for Canada? I'm not going to negotiate in front of the camera here. We have an excellent team of negotiators. They are negotiating this deal in the interests of Canada, and Canadians support our approach to negotiations with the United States. But will Canadians still support you if you don't get a deal and Mexico and the U.S. move ahead with their own, which is what both Mexico and the United States have said they'll do? Canadians have told us that they want us to negotiate a good deal for Canada, and that's precisely what we've been doing from the beginning. Minister, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about the Governor General. Uh, you are a former astronaut. I'm sure that you know Governor General Payette. There's been a lot of criticism of her in the media over the past week, in particular, uh, about the number of duties that she's engaged in, uh, about the number of public appearances she's putting in and events that she's hosting. Is your government satisfied with her performance as Governor General? Uh, I'm not going to comment uh, on that question, uh, Mercedes. I will tell you that uh, the Governor-General is a personal friend of mine. I have known her for a very long time. She is the head of state of our country, and I'm not going to give you my personal opinions on that subject. But as a minister, as a minister, are you concerned about whether, as you say, the head of state, one of the most important jobs in the country is being fulfilled when reportedly the governor general didn't want to make time in her schedule to sign off on the marijuana legislation on the day that it was passed? I'm not going to comment on these things. Uh, I'm going to tell you that uh, our governor general is a role model for Canadians, uh, particularly for young people who are interested in science, uh, for women in general, and... Uh, she is a personal friend of mine, so I'm not going to comment here on camera on anything else but that. Okay, before we go, let's go back to NAFTA for just a moment then, Minister. Uh, going forward, what is the primary message you're going to try to deliver to both the President and Congress about whether you have flexibility on this file? We will uh, continue to repeat to, uh, to uh, the NAFTA negotiators on the U.S. side that uh, we want a good deal. Uh, these are uh, the things that are important for us. The Americans also have things that are important for them. Let's try to find a deal here that will satisfy both of us. That's, the, that's essentially the essence of negotiations. It's always been that way. And for us, it's essential that we continue to defend Canadian interests. Okay, we'll see how all of this rolls out, putting a lot of faith in Congress there and uh, in the negotiators. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Mercedes. Opposition leader Andrew Scheer says if he was the Prime Minister, his government would have done a deal on NAFTA by now. Well, what would he do differently? He is joining me now to find out. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Uh, you keep saying you'd have a deal. 
What would you do differently that the liberals haven't done? Well, what I indicated was that uh, we believe that the, uh, Justin Trudeau has had the, the wrong focus on these talks. When the whole idea of reopening NAFTA uh, came along, it was really uh, issues that uh, the Americans had versus, uh, versus the Mexican government. And our prime minister volunteered to be part of that. And right at the outset, there was a, a focus on social issues that didn't have anything to do with market access. It didn't talk about tariffs. It didn't talk about uh, the ability to keep that vertical, uh, vertically integrated supply chain. Those are the types of things that don't give us a, a strong position at the negotiation table. We believe that the situation we find ourselves in right now, where we're days away from uh, from the, the deal between Mexico and the United States going forward, leaves Canada in a very vulnerable position. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty. Hundreds of thousands of jobs are linked to this. And, and certainly there's anxiety and uncertainty, but beyond the social issues, the sticking points seem to be dairy and dispute settlement mechanism. Would you be willing to give up dairy, because you've said you, supply, you uh, support supply management, or would you concede and not require a dispute settlement mechanism? Well, I believe very firmly that it is possible to preserve our supply managed sector while still maintaining free trade. The Conservative government has uh, an excellent record on that. We are the party of free trade. We are the party that... And how that do you do that? How much access would by you have? By having the strongest possible position at the negotiation table, by not giving, uh, by not sending jobs and money But how uh, to much the access States. to the market is that? Is As, it five? percent, ten percent, thirty? As I said, you know, it's, it's, it's not for me to, uh, to, to offer up to uh, the government what they should be willing uh, to, to negotiate Why not, away. Why though? You I might believe, have good ideas. I believe, <laughs> well, when Justin Trudeau starts listening to my ideas on a whole range of issues, we'll be in a much better uh, position. We believe that the, it's essential, you know, what goes on at the negotiation table is impacted by what the economic realities are in the rest of the country. And we have a situation where Justin Trudeau has weakened our position by raising taxes here at home, by telling the world that we can't get big energy projects built. The amount of uh, I don't know that any of that is, is actually does, on no, the table. No, but at what NAFTA. it does, it, it's all about pressure. It's all about leverage. And when you have fewer voices in the United States saying, "Hey, we want to get into Canada. We want to expand that facility. We we want to invest in this project," then you have a stronger position okay. because the U.S. When needs that When we were in the United access. States, we talked to senior Republicans, including a powerful congressman who's pro-Trump. They all said. We like your negotiator. You're doing a great job. Stay at the table. This is just how Donald Trump negotiates. This is Trump style. You're not doing anything wrong. Why do you think they're doing something wrong if, if the Trump Republicans don't? Well, I'm, I'm not sure who you're talking to. I can't speak to that. But what I do know is that we are days away from a situation where Mexico has uh, will have a, a preferred position over Canada in terms of this free trade uh, situation. I don't think anybody believes that, that is an optimal position for Canada to do be Do you in. believe that the government should send somebody other than Christopher Freeland to negotiate this? It's, it's not for me to evaluate. You know, the, the, those negotiations go on behind closed doors. When we're in Washington, when Conservative MPs have gone to Washington, we promote uh, free trade. We, 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 we do our part to help uh, show that unified message. This is a deal that's so important. There are hundreds of thousands of jobs and the families that depend on okay. it are very anxious. When we're here at home, we will absolutely point out mistakes and steps that they could have done to strengthen our position. What we, about conservatives who say that it's inappropriate for you to criticize this, like Brian Mulroney? Who knows a thing or two about free trade and negotiations? I believe it's absolutely important. It's not just appropriate. It's important for the opposition to point out areas where the government may have made poor decisions, where they could have strengthened our position. Uh, nobody suggests that, uh, that that it's not the role of the opposition to say, hey, let's let's focus on market access. Let's make sure that our, our, our negotiation team has the very strongest possible position that they possibly could have. Mr. Chair, I want to change gears because on Friday you gave a press conference talking about Tory Stafford. Uh, you want to put forward a motion to force the government to take action and intervene to take her killer, Terry Lynn McClintock, out of the Indigenous Healing Lodge that she's in. 
I have to ask you why you're demanding that, that in our system in Canada, legally, the minister cannot intervene. And in fact, you ran into this in 2010 under your government with Clifford Olson, where you wanted to intervene to take away the benefits he was receiving, found out that wasn't legal, and had to pass legislation to make that possible. Why call on the Liberal government to do something that you know the minister can't do legally? Well, first of all, they do absolutely have the power to do this. Well, not uh, according. The, this is a Department of Justice memo that says they don't. They, and your the, government the, the, found that out in 2010. That is an opinion of one person who points out in in that very uh, in that very argument that there is the power to do this by making a policy. So then, decision. why didn't your government do it with Clifford Olson? Uh, they're the, the completely different situations. Clifford, well, they're not. You wanted to change something sorry, in one sorry. case. Clifford Olson was receiving benefits, pension benefits. That did require legislative change. And I will point out that we did it. That we didn't just say, oh, well, our hands are tied. We took action. We brought in legislation to do the very thing that we promised to do. This situation is about policies as applied by the entire department. And what we are calling on the government to do is to issue a policy directive where people who have been convicted of these types of heinous crimes, horrific crimes, are not eligible to be uh, uh, held in a facility like would this. You, would that, you support th Liberal government legislation that said people who committed certain crimes should be ineligible? Or one of the other debates has been people who are Indigenous should be the only people that qualify to go to these lodges. I know the Liberals would love to have a side debate on these types of things. This is just very crystal clear. When our government, when the Conservative government was made aware of things like Paul Bernardo receiving conjugal visits or Clifford Olson receiving these benefits, we took action. Justin Trudeau has a choice. He can take action on this or he can endorse this decision, and we'll find out on Tuesday what he does. But would you support legislation if they introduced it? I, I would support measures that make sure that Terry McClintock is back behind bars. And they have a wide variety of tools available to them. If they if they have ideas, I'd love to hear them. We asked them multiple times last week in the House of Commons, and it was shameful. It was disgusting the way Justin Trudeau uh, sloughed these off and tried to shift blame. Then he had the audacity to thank the NDP for their questions and question period, because he liked those ones better. I spoke to Tory Stafford's father last week. He is very upset, and we are on... Does we, he support are, your approach? He, he is the one who brought these details to light so that action can be taken. We want to make this right. We don't want this to be about partisan differences. We want... The government has an opportunity to make this right. Make this right by Tory Stafford's Mr. family. Sure. And, and, uh, and Canadians who are angry by We this. have to stop you there because we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'd like to uh, reassure New Brunswickers that we recognize that there are... Uh, a bit of uncertain times at the moment. Uh, we want to again uh, stress the point that uh, in a Westminster system, things like this do happen. The Liberals and the Green Party are confirming to you that we are entering into discussions to come up with a formal agreement to be able to work together to have the stability of a progressive government. The election results in New Brunswick have left the leaders of the Conservative and Liberal parties vying for the top political job in that province. The PCs are up by one seat, but Brian Gallant is vowing he will stay on and form a coalition government. Negotiations are underway, but will Blaine Higgs and his Progressive Conservative Party concede? Joining me now from Fredericton is PC leader Blaine Higgs. Uh, Mr. Higgs, you're calling on uh, Premier Gallant to step down, saying you should be the Premier. Why do you believe you should be the premier? Uh, well, absolutely. You know, as, as democracy has been practiced for generations here in our country, um, you know, the first, the one with the highest score wins. And, and we have more seats than, the, than, the, uh, than Brian Gallant. And in this process, you know, he's obviously lost his majority and he's, he's lost his right to govern. And we have a path to form a minority government and, and he does not. 
historically, though, the incumbent has had the chance to at least meet the House, and that's what the Lieutenant Governor told uh, Mr. Gallant when he met with the Lieutenant Governor. Why do you think we should show, uh, throw that historical precedent aside on this occasion? Well, uh, and, and I appreciate that, and I understand that um, he has been trying to, uh, you know, solicit um, additional support from certainly from from my party and, and the elected candidates. Um, so he, he's trying to do that and buy time to make that happen. Uh, we've met as a caucus. We're we're very um, unified that, that you know no one's going anywhere, and so he simply doesn't have the numbers to succeed. Um, while I respect he can have the, the right to call the House back, and, and then when that, when that fails, uh, the Lieutenant Governor will look to me to form government. So my concern is there's a sense of urgency here in our province. We need to get on with working on issues that are important to our province, and, um, and I have a path to, to do that and start immediately. His path only delays the inevitable. Is part of your path through that immediately partnering with the People's Alliance? They've come out and said that they're willing to work with you. Are you willing to partner with them to form a coalition government? Well, it's not necessary to form a coalition government. And I said that um, I, I don't have any plans to form a coalition government with, uh, with, uh, with the People's Alliance um, or really with, with um, the Green Party, for that matter, as well. Um, and, and most recently, um, Mr. Austin has come out and said that he, he believes that the, the party with the most seats should form government, and he's willing to work with us uh, to ensure that government will will stay uh, will be stable. And I, I, th I think most recently he said for he'll commit to 18 months. Well, you know that's a that's a pretty uh, convincing statement, and it says that he wants to uh, be reflective of the people's uh, wishes that we find a way to work together. And that that's what I want to do with with uh, with him, with, with certainly with the uh, Green Party and and with the other members of the Liberal Party. Because we've got to get on with the, the issues at hand here. And, and this plain politics, uh, the election's over. Let, let's stop electioneering and move but forward. What happens if Brian Gallant talks to the Greens and he forms an alliance with them and then he has more seats than you? No, he doesn't actually. Because if he forms with the an Greens? alliance, no, he still won't have enough seats. So with, with, with Mr. Austin saying that he will support, uh, support me and our government, we actually have more seats than Brian Gallant and, and the Green Party um, combined. We'll have one more but seat. But is, we'll is have supporting your government, government. It, when, you, when you heard from him and he's saying he's going to support your government, is he going to support your government by forming an alliance or is it going to be from vote to vote? And if it's from vote to vote, are you confident that they're going to vote with you each time on that or you could lose the confidence of the House? Well, I mean, certainly there are big major bills that, that would be um, needed to be supported as they come forward, you know, like the throne speech, like, like the budget. Um, but what I understand um, that Mr. Austin has said is that he, is, he wants to work with us and he wants to work with us to support the government for a minimum of 18 months. And that's what the LG was looking for, stability. And, and, and he's saying that, as I understand, um, more recently even today, has made that statement. And that, that would say that, okay, he's no, he has no intention of bringing the government down for at least 18 months to see if we can work together. Bills will be voted on case by case, but a, a defeat of a bill doesn't mean a defeat of a government. Well, not if it's not a confidence vote anyhow, but I'm, I'm wondering if part of that working together, perhaps the People's Alliance is going to expect uh, positions in your cabinet. Is that something you'd be willing to give them? We have made, we haven't made any such um, arrangement nor had any discussions in that regard. Uh, what I'm, uh, what I'm impressed with is that uh, Mr. Austin has taken this, uh, you know, on his own accord to say, we think the government that won the most seats, that's the democratic process. 
we want a chance to work with that government that has won the most seats. And we're propelling, uh, prepared to put, put our, um, our support behind that government for a minimum of 18 months to see if this but works. But if he, I if think he that's demands what the that going Brunswick forward, asked us to do. If he demands that going demands, forward, would you be willing to give him cabinet positions? We aren't discussing cabinet positions, and, and I'm not going to speculate on, on any such things, uh, because he's, he's making these statements in the public uh, on, on his own volition that, that he wants to work with us. And, and I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited that, that he's doing that, because I, I, I feel that he's, he's, he's representing the people that voted for him. After all, I think 45,000 people did that. He wants to represent his party and, and, the, and the, the democratic process in the legislature based on his support that he received during the campaign. What happens if Brian Gallant refuses to step down? Well, eventually, the, when he cannot get support, I mean, when, so here we have, he's, he's outnumbered, he doesn't have the numbers, so if he drags this out and he moves into the, to the legislature, he won't get support on the throne speech. It'll be voted down at that time. The, the lieutenant governor will then look to me and say, okay, Mr. Higgs, you should form the government, and, and, and we will proceed. So all that's happening here is through Brian Gallant's actions, we're delaying democracy, we're delaying uh, uh, government to get focused on working on real issues in this province. And it's unfortunate okay. for someone to be clinging that hard to power. I have to stop you there, Mr. Higgs, because we're out of time, but certainly a fascinating situation in New Brunswick, and we'll keep a close eye on it. Thank you for joining yes. us. You're very welcome. Thanks for checking out the West Block podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and listen on your Apple podcast, Google podcast, or wherever you find your podcast. And join the conversation at the West Block, Facebook, and check out our Instagram page. And please tune in again.